Jesus' name, Father. Thank you, Lord. Let's give him praise again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we praise your name. Lord, you've been dealing with me that if we think this world's going to get any better, it's not. The only way this world or anything's going to get any better is with you. And Father, today we just, uh, Father, help us recognize how much we need you. And Father, how much we need to praise you and to worship you. Father, just to, to admire who you are and what you are. Father, we praise you today. We just praise you today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. As I was thinking about that, uh, you can be seated. The Lamar boys, uh, they're going to go play for the state championship. And I thought, you know, there's people rejoicing over that and really shouting and, and giving God the, the glory. And they were just all into it. And I, I just can't help but think, man, we need to loosen up and worship God in the same way. Uh, we need to worship God like it, that we just won the Super Bowl. We need to, you know, it, it needs to be with all that we are. And as you notice today, uh, by the way, if you've asked me to be more involved like Jeremy, I'd like to see those that, that asked for that, that, or Jeremiah, sorry. But hey, there is a Jeremy in there, Jeremiah. And so it gets confusing at times, but, but if there's four of you that told me that, that you'd like to uh, be more involved, and I'd like to meet with you for a short minute after church. And I'll probably either be in the back or I'll make a point of coming up here. But, but today, Jeremiah uh, lit the candle of worship. And, and as I was thinking, the songs that we sang today, man, that's what it's about. Worshiping the Lord, adoring Him. Come, let us adore Him. And, and we need to be a people of worship. And anyway, the Lord really put that on my heart for the Advent season, for the Christmas season. Again, Advent is to remind us of what Christ did for us. And to me, we should be doing it every day because worship is a lifestyle. But the Lord put it on my heart for this year to, to make the theme worship. And so again, we lit the first candle of worship, but each week we're going to talk about parts of worship. And, and I'm going to get into that today. But, but the point, the first point, I'm just going to go over some points here today. Got four of them. Worship. One is a deeper call to worship. God's called us to a deeper call. Two, worship is a total surrender to God. Three, true worship is confined to God only. And then four, uh, the best times to worship. And we're going to talk about that. So let's just get right into it today. Point one is a deeper call to worship. Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So that's what we're called to do, to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to worship him with our whole being, and to, to love each other the same way, and to care for each other that same way. 
Worship, when you look it up in the Webster Dictionary, means reverence offered a divine being or supernatural power. We're to worship God in all that we do. The theme scripture that I want to use for this month is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And you say, we're going to talk about that the whole month. That's going to be the stem of it. And then we're going to come off of that. But turn to Romans 12, 1 and 2. While you're turning there, welcome again, everybody. Today. I'm glad you're out. We had a great Thanksgiving, did we not? I want to welcome those that are online. And those that are visiting with us online today, we appreciate you. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by the testing of your, uh, by your, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. A lot of times when somebody says, worship God, I kind of played with that a little bit this week. And I feel like a lot of times, a lot of us feel like, because of our life, what has God even done to deserve my worship? And I feel that a lot of times as a pastor dealing with people, what has God ever done for me? Why should I worship him? And, and I know that may come off hard, to, but not to you guys here, because you are all the spiritual giants, right? You know, maybe that's for somebody else, but, but do we ever think, God, what have you ever done for me? Why should I worship you? And that's where Paul in the scripture here, he talks about the mercies of God. And the mercies of God are the things God has given us that we don't even deserve. You know, we, we feel that we're entitled to, to all things. We feel like the world, and again, maybe not you guys, but, but I think America gets there, that, that we feel entitled like everyone owes us everything. We have a legal right to everything. We have a legal claim to everything. You owe me. And we get into that attitude so much. But guys, what has God done for us? And as I was thinking about that, well, you know, what has he done? For us. You see, Christianity... It's not based on entitlement. It's based on grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So by grace, God lavishes all these mercies on us that we don't deserve that we're not entitled to. 
that we haven't earned. And I think about them. In slide three, I wrote down some of them, but, but eternal love. What have we done to deserve eternal love? What have we done to deserve eternal grace, joy, and peace? You know, why do we deserve the Holy Spirit that, that God gave to us that teaches us all things and, and that, that reminds us of all things that gives us direction? That's there for us when we don't even want him. You know, forgiveness. Man, Jesus said that, that I don't, I mean, we don't even deserve it, but Jesus said through the word that I throw your sins as far as the east from the west. I remember him no more. You know, I think of reconciliation that we don't deserve that this reconciliation that we can have a relationship with God that, that God did justify us, justification. In other words, just as if we never sinned. What has he ever done for us? He's made us righteous. He's taken the burden and lifted it up so that we can be free. In other words, that saving faith, that comfort that we rest in at times, that strength that we experience at times, that, that wisdom that we call upon God and say, God, give me wisdom. That hope when it looks like there is no hope and we cry out to God, that, that patience when we have no patience, that kindness when we feel no kindness, that honor, the glory, the security Man, the eternal life, the intercession that goes on for us, none of these things we deserve, but he freely gives them to us. By grace, we are saved. So, we need to recognize, acknowledge, and understand these incredible gifts and these things motivate us to worship. So when you say to me, what do I have to worship God for? We need to slow down people and spend more time with God because he's done great things for us. And that's why this month... The Lord put it on my heart, the Holy Spirit, to remind us to worship. But we get so distracted that we don't have time to worship. And I read a quote by Billy Graham that, that kind of lines up with this, but, it's, but it says, when, we, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, Something is lost, but when character is lost, all is lost. And it's back to that theme that, that we need to be centered in on God. Because this world, this wealth, these things of this earth will not matter. The only thing that, that matters is people. We feel, feel that when they're lost. But when we're away from God, we are lost and we feel that. So we need to press in to him. 
press in to worship. And you say again, what do I have to worship for? What do I have God to worship for? And I think, and I say to you now, which of those things are you holding on to today? How many of you are crying out, God, heal my life? God, I need hope. God, I need salvation. All these things that he's freely given to us, we ask and are holding on to them, but I say begin to praise his name for them. Begin to praise him that, that Father, I need you. Father, I'm without hope unless you're involved. Father, I'm a sinner. I'm no good, but with you, I am all things. Worship him in all that we're going through. Point two, worship is total surrender and sacrifice to God. Romans 12, 1 says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. Paul's referring to the, the humanity. We are to present our hearts, our minds, our hands, our thoughts, our attitudes to God. In other words, we're to give up control of these things and turn them over to him just as a little literal sacrifice that was given up for God. We need to worship him through all that we do. We need to put our emotions behind us and, and, and seek the truth. Romans 12, 2 says to, to renew your minds by the cleansing of them through the word. Then we can worship him the way that we need to. You see, a lot of times we get caught up in our emotions and God gave us emotions, but unless their emotions are shaped by the word or the truth, they can be destructive and out of control forces. And I see a lot of us, a lot of times that, that we'll begin to act on our emotions when we start needing to act upon God's word and what God's doing in our lives and begin to worship him. Then we'll see these answers come into our life. You see, where the mind goes, the will follows, and so do the emotions. First Corinthians says, we have the mind of Christ. So seek the Lord and take control of your emotions by living by the truth. And you say, well, well how do I do that? You know, how do I take a hold of my emotions to where I can live by the truth, to where I can just worship him at all times. And I, I remind you of Matthew 4 and Luke 4. And I want you to turn to Luke 4. But, but Jesus himself gave us an example of, of overcoming the emotion, our flesh, to, to get into the spiritual side. And then in the end to be able to worship God. And to worship him in all parts of our lives. And again, this is a beautiful story. But we see that the beginning that Jesus overcame all the emotions and the temptations of life through prayer, through being led by the Holy Spirit. So if you're in Luke 4, it said what Jesus was led, what full 
of the Holy Spirit. Jesus walked full of the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God was the third thing. So we see Jesus in prayer, fully led by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. For each temptation, Jesus had an answer. And again, that's what's so neat. When you're praying, you're seeking God, the Holy Spirit's going to remind you and teach you of all things that the word that you know, and you'll be able to stand against one, the emotions of doubt. You see, when Jesus was there, Satan came to him. If you're the son of God, how many of us have ever felt like that we're not worthy to be the son of God? That we're not good enough? That we're not there, our emotions attack us all the time. You can't do this, you're no good, you're this, you're that, the other. In a sense, that's where Satan was hitting Jesus. Hey, you're hungry. If, if you're the son of God, like you say you are, then command these stones to become bread. Well, the emotional part of Jesus was probably, well, that's true. I am the son of God. You know, I could just turn the stones into bread. I could feed myself now. But he took control of the emotions of his, of his flesh. And by the spirit and the Holy Ghost remembered the word. And he quotes from Deut Deuteronomy. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And again, that's Luke 4, 4. But he quoted Deuteronomy 8, 3. So you see this flow in Jesus. He had the emotion of doubt, maybe even unbelief that we feel sometimes. But, but again, we, we don't give in to him. We go to the Lord in prayer and the Holy Spirit begins to minister to us and the word will be revealed for that answer. And then we feel that emotion that pressure of being an entrepreneur. And, and I specifically believe the Holy Spirit has, has put that on my heart because society is pushing you to, to do all these great things. I believe there's a pressure among you and our, especially our younger generation to produce and to perform, to be that entrepreneur. And I'm not knocking those things, but if we're controlled by that emotion, it can wear us out. You know, Satan come to Jesus and the second time and he said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and, and you'll have all that glory. And isn't that what we feel a lot of times that I remember going through a stage I had to have, you know, that's what tickles me, this flipping houses. I've been flipping houses 20 years ago. But the Lord was, you know, he, that isn't where the fulfillment was. Man, you can have all the world. Jesus, you can have it, all this world. Kit, you can have all this world. People, you can have all this world. All you got to do is bow down and worship me, Satan said. And I feel like a lot of us are in that trap. That we feel like we got to measure up. We got to do all the things that are required from the world to be that special person that we already are in Jesus Christ. But Jesus answered him, again quoting scripture from Deuteronomy 6.16, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you worship. 
So you see that he didn't allow the pressures to perform, the pressures to be all you can be that the world lays on us. And through prayer and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was able to take that burden and push it off and say, no, you should not put or worship Lord your God and him only shall I serve. The next thing we see there is that, again, that self-worth. I believe the enemy keeps attacking. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written he'll command his angels concerning you and you think about all that here we got satan using the scripture now and he's using the scripture the things that we heard in sunday school the things that we heard the other day and so he's throwing a kink in there man is that god but but would god put this type of pressure on me And Jesus, again, in prayer and filled with the Holy Spirit, he just says, man, you shall not put the Lord God to your test. Again, Deuteronomy 6.1. And to me, the, the most exciting part of this whole story, and all of it's important, is you find in Matthew 4.11 version, you see that then the devil left him And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. You see, when we focus our worship in on God and and all the distractions of life and all the things that we're going through and we press in through prayer, through listening to the Holy Spirit, we're going to see a move of God upon our life where the Holy Spirit comes in and ministers to us. And how many times have you felt that? To where you've just been at your wit's end and, and you've went to the throne, you've went to God and, and God just poured his Holy Spirit out on you and you were ministered to and refreshed. So again, guys, if you're too busy to pray and read your word and listen to the Holy Spirit, then your decisions can be destructive and out of control And you could make bad decisions and bad choices. But as Psalm 8 says in 46, or excuse me, Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God and I'll be honored by every nation. I'll be honored throughout the world. So if we just be still and know that he's God and just worship him and everything that we do, it'll turn our worship and our lives around. Slide three or nine, the worship is confined to God. True worship is confined to God. God is only worthy of our worship. We are not to worship saints, prophets, statues, angels, Mary, false gods, 
or even Advent, or even the Christmas trees and the Christmas lights, to where we focus, lose focus on the most important thing is Jesus. And we were reminded of that in Revelation 19:10, whenever John is experiencing this awesome presence of the Lord through an angel, and he falls down and begins to just fall on his knees before the angel. And the angel quickly says, you, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Guys, we need to press in and worship God and worship him only. There is nothing that deserves our worship more than God. It's confined to God. You say, well, pastor, that's not me. Well, I looked up top 10 things that have America's worship. Top 10 things that have America's worship, and it shouldn't. The first is the past. Man, when's life going to get back the way it used to be? Nine, the natural. We want this natural life and we begin to worship this natural life. Eight, the sexual. Man, the result of sex was family and strong families. And look how dirty sex has become today. I got off on the chasing some rabbits on statistics and it, and it just blows your mind on how the family is being destroyed. This blows your mind. Seven, the authority. I'm counting 10 to one. The authority. We, we worship authority and we want to be an authority. We worship the team. And I, and I don't have to explain that team is any sport or, or thing like that. We worship the stuff. Uh, Black Friday was yesterday. And I'm not saying we can't do these things. But we don't worship those things. For the group, tribalism, we got our own little cliques, our own little parties over here and there. Three's the money. Two's the state. And if you don't agree with me on that, that, that we don't worship the state over the Lord, just uh, put a Christian flag over an American flag. Self. Really, if you worship self and are struggling with that, I probably made you mad with one of these last nine. Gary Dunn put a word out the other day, and, and I, I don't, again, believe in coincidence, but as I was writing this specifically, pops up, ding, on my computer, and it lined up so much what I believe the Lord's trying to tell us today. But it said, my son, when a nation, when its people reject me, there's an impending judgment that is over their heads. 
when adultery overtakes them with perversions that I arbor, when anarchy against me and my ways become their mode of operation, when they remove my covering that has been over them by the rebellion, when they chase after the things of the world, great tribulation is at their door ready to overtake and destroy them. Warnings I send, prophets initiate, enunciate and proclaim the truth to them. Attempts to turn them from their wicked ways are sent by me. Yet if repentance from their evil ways does not happen, then my wrath will be poured out on them to bring destruction and death. I will not allow rebellion against me to exist. When a nation and its people reject me, they have doomed themselves to demise and extinction. Best for you to be standing in the gap through prayer for your country and your people, for your repentance to take place before it is too late. God deserves our worship. God has, I don't even like the word earned our worship, but God is our everything. Revelation 4.13, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Psalm 63, 3 and 4, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. And the closing point today is when is the best time to worship? The best times to worship. Worship can be in a public place a place of praise to God like we're doing today. Psalms 22.22 says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. Psalms 35.18, I will thank you in the greatest congregation in the mighty throne. I will praise you. So in a congregational setting, we proclaim through prayer, praise our adoration and thankfulness to him and what he has done for us. That's why we value this time. This time should be important to us. But guys, true worship is not confined to what we do in church. I'm not saying these things are bad. They're both good. True worship is the acknowledgement of God and his power and glory in everything we do. Our goal is to worship him all the time. I mean, Sunday morning, tomorrow morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, back in on Sunday again for congregational worship. But Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching it and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And then he goes on to say, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in all things we do, we give him praise. In all of our actions, 
We give him praise. And that's what the Lord was, I'm trying to build us into today and, and lead us into. But next week as we move into, we're going to talk about different types of worship every week. We're going to move into next week, uh, December the 3rd, Joseph's spiritual act of worship was obedience. And guys, obedience is one of the highest form of praises you could ever do. Be, an obedient shows praise to the Lord. And we're going to light a candle of obedience. December 10th, the wise man's spiritual act of worship was giving. And so we're going to talk about that. And it's more than the tithe. It's a, the time, the tithe, and the talent. It's giving. And, and guys, I could get into this one now, man. The wise man, we don't realize they came later on, six months to two years later. They were seeking and giving previously to get there. And then the 24th Christmas Eve, we're going to have our Christmas Eve uh, uh, communion time at the 10 o'clock service. And we're going to talk about the, the shepherd's spiritual act of worship was seeking, seeking the Lord at all times. And then the third or the 31st, we're going to have our spiritual act of worship is celebrating these things, celebrating a lifestyle of worship and the results. In other words, as Jesus was going through all these emotions of life and all these battles of life, in the end, he was celebrating at the end of the day. And as we live a lifestyle of worship here at this, in the, the church service, but in our daily life through obedience, through giving, through discernment, man, through seeking and celebrating God, man, we're going to experience the presence of God, which causes us to celebrate. And I hesitated there a minute because I missed one of the important ones. The fourth week, Mary's, Mary's spiritual act of worship was discernment. If you read the scripture in that point, she had to discern what the Spirit was speaking. What did Romans 12, 1 and 2 said? Discern. We need to learn how to discern what the Holy Spirit is teaching us through worship. So if the praise team would come forward today, worship, worship. I want it to be on our hearts the next month, really to form a habit to always be on our hearts. But God is calling us to a deeper, deeper worship. Worship is surrender and sacrifice to God. True worship is confined to God, and the best times to worship is all the time. So as I was thinking about this, and you know, today salvation is the highest form of worship. Man, giving your life to Jesus for the first time, that's your first act of worship. And if there's anyone here today that needs to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and get into this lifestyle of worship, I want you to come up and let us pray for you today. Pretty awesome. Last week at Carthage, we, we brought in several members, but we had a person that, that, that came forward and, and desires to be baptized. And we're going to be doing that the 31st here at this church. Yes, praise the Lord.
But my brother Mark used to stand in this spot, and he was the praise leader. And before Joel was here, I don't know if any of you remember that. But the worship team would get done, and he would say this all the time. He said, this is the way it'll be in heaven. This is the way it'll be in heaven. Referring to the worship and the praise that we just sang. <laughs> At times, just speaking by heart, I discern if this is what heaven is, I don't want to go. When he'd say, this is the way heaven's going to be, I thought, man, that's, that's not what I want. And then at other times, when we were caught up in the spirit and we'd released into, and maybe I'm talking as an individual, but I think I was discerning it as a pastor. But other times, the spirit would be moving and he would say that, and I'd be going, hallelujah. Man, I feel you, brother. I feel you. And that's bugged me for years, and, and working on this, it got me to thinking and, on that. And worship is what we make it. True worship is felt inwardly and then expressed through our actions. So when we're worshiping out of obligation, it's displeasing to God and sometimes vain. When our hearts aren't where they need to be, when we're walking in unforgiveness and we're walking in known sin that, that the Lord, we have give, you know, convicted us of several times and we just continue to do that. We don't want to give it up for him. And then we worship like everything's okay. And maybe those are the times that I was feeling those things. So I believe that I discern displeasing praise at times and and I determine pleasing praise at times. And you say, well, pastor, you're off mark today. Guys, I don't think I am. If you go back to Cain and Abel in the beginning, there was no pressure on them to, to do any of those things. But Cain brought his gift out of obligation while Abel brought his finest, the best, and he just worshiped God. And so, guys, I want us to really investigate and, and, and press in to worship this season. And really press in to, to this. Is our worship like Cain or is our out of obligation? We go to church on Sunday out of obligation. We we're obedient out of obligation. We're, we're doing all these other things. Or is it out of love and, and commitment and true worship? But I want us to look at our worship this next month.
And it's going to look different for each one of us. But as you stand to your feet today, Father, I pray that we slow down to worship you. Father, I pray that we take time every day to renew our minds. Father, that we take time out for your word and just to listen to your Holy Spirit speak to us. And Father, I know as we do these things, Father, you're going to move mightily over us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ your Lord and Savior, please come.